Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everybody. My name is Neil White. And for Backpage, this is the big interview with Graham Hunter at the Euros. We're back after a couple of days off between phases. It's Sunday, June 27th, last night. Italy got past Austria with more steel than silk this time, and Wales's Euro ended in rather emphatic fashion against Denmark. We had a little bit of Danish history, Graham, on the podcast. Uh, Martin Brathwaite, who scored the last of Denmark's four last night, was a guest this season, live from Barcelona. And before this tournament began, I hope all of you listened to Graham's interview with Brian Laudrup, which was exclusively about his recollections of Denmark's win at Euro 92. There was a unique storyline to their against the odds success that year. And following a start of two defeats and the horrific on-pitch collapse of Christian Eriksen, I just wonder, Graham, I just wonder. Well, uh, look, we began previewing with a fellow Scandinavian, not a Dane, but Jockey Bjorklund, who said, I'm look out, um, Sweden look like a quarter-final team and, and you know, you're currently with Ukraine to come. That That's possible. So their fellow um, Scandinavians, Finland, huffed and puffed a little bit and now Denmark have scored eight in the last two. Um... Your wonder, wonder, wonder is whether this is another 92. It's, it's not, I don't think. Um, I think if you make a comparison, Denmark look as if they've got a little bit more football and as if they're a little more daring. I don't know, and none of us know, what, how much they're being driven um, by the idea of honouring uh, Eriksson, who's had the most dreadful couple of weeks, but is alive, is, has been cracking jokes. Um has had to have an operation um, to have his heart augmented by technology. And I'm certain he's in their minds. I'm certain there are moments or games or days when their coach has said, this one is for Christian or give a little bit extra. And maybe that's giving them wings. But the one thing you'd commend them for is that they're they're deeply daring. I think any squad that comes to a tournament, particularly one that's going to last a month, in searing heat during a pandemic when players throughout the tournament have been invalided out by COVID, where there are some stadia where it's, you know, you've got 12,000 in, other stadia where it's absolutely rammed to capacity and suddenly for the first time in 16 months you're hit with a wall of sound. Uh, You might be playing literally on your own home soil or you might be playing thousands of miles away in Bacchus and Petersburg. This is an odd tournament. One of the things you have to do in any tournament, particularly this one, is squeeze every last drop of talent out. Even in the game where they lost against Finland, where they were utterly distracted, Kasper Schmeichel had had done all the important things brilliantly, and then because his brain, I think, was only 
tense, engaged in football. He fumbled the goal. They, they battered Finland. Even in that game, they actually really looked very good. And, and the point I'm trying to get across is if we, if we set the whole Christian Eriksen thing t- to one side and you look at how many of Denmark's players are punching at their weight or above it, it explains, and also they're pretty daring. They're pretty front foot. And I think that's what we were admiring Italy for up until last night when when it went all, uh, you know, uh, what's, what's your man? Who's, who did Robert De Niro play in um, in his Oscar-winning film? Uh, oh, come on. You're, you're on, you're on. Raging Bull? Yes. Jake, La, Jake LaMotta. It all went Jake LaMotta. And, and listener... This is evidence of exactly how battered I am by this campaign. And if I can't remember Raging Bull and Jake LaMotta and the, the beautiful theme tune, which I think comes from Romeo and Juliet, then um, I, should be, I should be decommissioned. Um, <laughs> when, it went, when it went toe-to-toe and Austria really went at them and, and, and matched them physically, Italy you know, struggled to find the way to cut through them the way they've been cut through in their report. But but Denmark managed to, to do exactly what they did in the last game against Russia. And they played with enormous flair and all of the goals bar one, which is a complete gift, um, were really beautifully taken, beautifully finished. Dahlberg stands out, I guess, particularly for the first one. And um, you made the point before we came on air that if you're roared on by what feels like a home crowd, even though you're playing in um, Amsterdam, it has to give you extra. Normally, yes, in a tournament like this, so much so. And I know we're going to talk a little bit later about where I am, which is in Seville for Belgium against Portugal tonight. And it's going to be something similar. There won't be as many fans, but Portugal is so near Seville. Um, I'm in an hotel which literally, the, the breakfast room overlooks the pitch. It's sensational. And the Portuguese are in there behind the goal right now, laying out one of these enormous flags, you know, at, at breakfast time for a 9pm kickoff. So I'd imagine that if you got the, the Danes in a quiet moment and said, how much was the Christian Eriksen incident a factor? They'd say, yeah, it's in there. How much was your attitude and, and maybe some of the skill differentials between Denmark and Wales? How much was it? Yeah, yeah that, was, that was in there. The two key things were... The, the, the brilliance with which Dahlberg cracked the game with his two goals um, the, the, the two late goals are footnotes although I'm pleased for our guest in the beginning Martin Brathwaite um, the fans and the noise would have been they would have attributed that as a very big factor it's a big advantage yeah I agree with you on the crowd I mean I think six years of big interviews has taught me that footballers do say that regardless of talent the great managers give them a reason to win. They give them a reason to sort of elevate their performance. You're mentioning you're mentioning psychology, aren't you? Mentality exactly and psychology. What can, what can you do? What can you use as an extra tool? How can you get to people? How can you put aside, say, their boredom or a little bit of physical pain or the fact they're missing their kids or whatever it is? If you can use that psychology, and, and again, we'll come to him in a second, but when we come to Roberto Martinez, he specifically mentioned that point today. So if you match psychology and, and an extra little bit of petrol in your engine, which again, the, the guests in the big interview over the years have been good about saying, you don't attribute too much to the fans, but when they're not there, you miss them. And when they're with you, it's an extra, it's that feeling of two plus two equals five. The, 
the, the sum is greater than the parts or whatever the expression is. So, Graham, you're back in Seville for probably the pick of the last 16 ties, Belgium versus Portugal. What have you seen? Who have you been speaking to? It's potentially the pick of the tournament, Neil, I would say. Um, yeah. It, it's been good. I managed to glimpse a little bit of Portugal training, but that wasn't my job. So, who have I seen who have I been speaking to? Um, spoke to Jan Vertonghen, spoke to Roberto Martinez. Come back to that in a second. Really nice, just before training, Sean Maloney uh, jogged over, uh, Cults Academy boy, um, somebody who grew up within sight of my house where my parents live. I took, uh, years ago, I took my young nephews, uh, Matthew and Thomas, to kind of kneel and pay homage outside Sean's ancestral pile because my nephews were big Celtic fans. Sean was a star at Parkhead at the time. Star now as well. It was really nice to... to Jerry on rejogged over as well. Let me tell you, he's been spending time in the gym. He is in good nick. If you suddenly see a French-looking guy coming on as a strange substitute uh, tonight, it, it'll be TT. He's in good nick. He was very friendly indeed. Nice to say hi. But Sean spoke at length about just what we've been talking about. His first question was, do you know the Denmark score? And I was like, well, 2-0 last time I heard, because it was still at that stage, not into the dying seconds when... Um, when there were two goals scored, one of which was our pal Brathwaite, and um, he said, boy, they were good. We enjoyed playing against them. They were really good. And it was fascinating from a distance to watch Sean and Roberto Martinez and Thierry Henry. And in fact, it was fascinating to watch. They have to move the goals. It's all hands on deck. So there was a moment where the big goal frame on wheels was being shifted by treble winning, FIFA World Cup winning Thierry Henry and FA Cup winning Sean Maloney, hero of ours, and they were shoving it this way and that. And I thought, yeah, all hands on deck. And it made me remember that we recorded a big interview with uh, Sean Maloney in Barcelona um, a couple of seasons ago. It, it was a tremendous experience because he is a bright, articulate, thoughtful man. And I don't know, at the time, he, he'd really just joined up. And it might be an idea, sh shouldn't we just clip in a little bit of that interview now? How do you approach the task as a new um, guy at the level you're at in terms of management, coaching? How do you approach the task of going around and building relationships with giants of the game like Hazard or um, Lukaku or company? How do you approach that? Well, it's, on, it's an ongoing process, so it's yeah. not. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not like. Um, it's not like. I don't think it ever finishes. Just. A couple of things that sound really simple, just be myself, just if I'm quiet, I'm quiet, which i quite softly spoken and quite reserved at times, like that's me, I don't try and change, to try and like maybe create a certain situation with the players, I try and always, I will always be honest, so when I speak to them or they ask me things, complete honesty at all times, and um, and I said it earlier in, in the short, it's always about the player, it's never about me as a coach. I am there to help them in any way that they need me. Um, I work extremely hard on preparing and having as much information for, for the group as possible. And really I'm, I'm there at any time for the players. Um, if they, whatever they need from me, then I'm, I'm there for them. What are you learning from guys like Azard and, and particular company? I think those two come to my mind. Azard because of his skills. Also, he has a very unusual personality, it seems to me, that he, he, he treats a lot of his game and his, his career for enjoyment. He seems to be a, really, a guy who really fundamentally wants to be happy in his, in his work, in his life, which 
I adore, which it strikes me that company genuinely could, could lead this country at one stage. Yeah, very different characters, but we... We, if, okay, that's fine. You ask about those. So there's other there's other characters within the squad that are just as fascinating. Um, but with those two, from what I've found so far, Eden is extremely relaxed off the pitch. Um, on on the pitch, he, it's it's a it's, it's a difference. There's a level of um, he takes a level of pressure upon himself because to create one v one moments, the, that pressure is, is a lot for him. Being one of the elite players, so there's a real relaxed. Look, this is only from a coach's point of view, yeah. and when I when I see him in the camps, really relaxed off the pitch, really humble, good man. Trains um, trains hard, really open to, to speaking about certain things in the team. But when he comes on the pitch, there's a level of expectation and pressure that he deals with, and there's things he does on a pitch that is just incredible to watch. So you, you, you enjoy seeing them. Like it, it's it fits with what you like. Yeah, but it's the same same with Vincent, but like just in a different area of the pitch and different different uh, different skills. So. The way that, so you've got Eden's obviously just amazing attacking, just some things are incredible, real, but it's like I'm very privileged to work with, with, with the squad and now we're speaking about those two, definitely privileged to work with those two. It's, um, you mentioned other fascinating characters, it's tantalising, what are you talking about? Also, like different, so just, maybe just because I'd, I'd never worked with these players, I've obviously seen them play for their clubs. Um, the, men, the mentality of the group is 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 different. Entire, I could go really deep into this in terms of the group and the group dynamics. The the way that they actually socialise with each other is completely different to to teams, national teams I've been involved with and club teams. They're they're a really tight group. I mean, they stay for hours after dinner, chatting. Groups of them. That's something that you might think is a really small. Uh, it's a cultural difference. I don't. I think it's really healthy. Yeah, really. But really humble, all of them. Like you, really humble to learn, take on board information, open up the conversation on different areas of the game, set plays. And when they train, it is like a hundred percent, hundred percent intensity. Demand off each other, demand off coaches. It's um, and then as soon as you step off the pitch, they're that very humble, relaxed people enjoy each other's company. And then at times on the pitch, you see things that some of our players can do. It's just it's a it's a it's a joy to watch at times. When they're opening up their ideas and opening up their minds to influences that, that you and, and Roberto bring, presumably the lingua franca is English. Yeah. They're, and as much as they speak to each other in French or Flemish, <laughs> they're doing all that in a foreign language. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. Yeah, it is. It's, um, you have to really respect um, sort of that level for the players. And because of the Flemish and French speaking, everyone generally speaks English, it's a real neutral language in the group, so so it's been absolutely no problem. I, I have to say from coming, being in a, a new coach, Terrier was there when, when I first joined, but for me being a, a young coach, um, they've been they've been excellent to work with, really welcomed me in. If there's certain information I think that can help them, really, really open, and on the other hand, really demanding of me, demanding of the level of work I give them, and it's been just a, an unbelievable experience. It's courtesy of his relationship with Roberto Martinez, Catalan, at Wigan, that Sean is part of the Belgian coaching setup. And Roberto Martinez, I've known, well, I don't know, since, well, the mid-2000s, when he was a regular guest on Sky's Revista de la Liga. I asked Roberto about learning the difference between club coaching, 
coaching a national team in qualification and tournament management. They went long in Russia and I wanted to know what he'd taken from that experience to this. He said, learning about managing a group in a tournament is learning about the human side. Because he said at a club level, you all train and the player's an asset when he's on the pitch, training pitch or match pitch. But everybody goes home to their families. Everybody gets things out or they, they, if they aren't getting out and they're problematic at home, it's a release for them at the club, all that kind of stuff. He said, we've been nearly 30 days together, 24 hours a day, more or less. And he said, you learn then that the, the plus, the added value is when you've got a group of good humans. And he used the phrase, people who care about each other. But it's a theme maybe that's slightly Spanish because it's a phrase that I've heard echoed across this Spanish group. And when those who won three tournaments in a row talk back, they talk about the exceptional group and they aren't talking about the football. So when you're together in a group, Roberto Martinez said, the really good thing is about having unity, having people who actually are bothered about one another, who so that the people don't get bored, so they don't get frustrated with each other, so little niggles don't break out. And he used the word, you know, clarity. Having clarity about who, not who your best players are, but who the right players are to give you a balance. And after the World Cup, they hired more analysts. They're incredibly detailed about breaking other teams down. Roberto Martinez, in my opinion, is striving for doing things automatically against an opponent, an individual opponent, or maybe against a press, because you, you know what they're going to do. And if it gets to something a little bit more elemental, and along the lines of what we were talking about with Denmark, and they, you know, they're looking for a reason to win. There can't be many more tournaments left for this squad of players. And one of the reasons that they have this um, collective spirit is because they have literally been together for the best part of a decade. This is the second oldest squad in the tournament. I, I didn't know that stat, but I appreciate the way your mind thinks. And we didn't prep this at all. But I looked at it and I'm old enough to live through several golden generations. You know, the golden generation I grew up with, um, with Holland and Germany, they did it. Okay, Holland didn't lift the World Cup, but two consecutive World Cup finals from a team that prior to 74 had only been professional for about six or seven years. I have no doubt that, that Holland and their golden generation, they squeezed the max out when I was growing up. West Germany squeezed the max out because they won everything in sight. But the two that have been most prevalent in my is Portugal's golden generation, who didn't lift a tournament a trophy, and then England, which, you know, not all our listeners are from the UK, but if you're in the UK, there's still a lot made of why was there no trophy for Ferdinand and, and Terry and Beckham and Scholes and, and Gerard and Lampard. And this is one, this is one, you're right. And, and so I said to Jan Bertong and... Uh, what responsibility do you feel in parceling out entertainment and winning? He said, well, entertainment, he said, it's not the first thing that goes through my head when I step in the pitch. You know, we want to win. It's about winning. But if we can score more goals, the more goals we can score, the better. If we can, we will. And, you know, if you, if you look at them, there's still, there's still at least one more tournament. There's still Qatar. This, tournament, this group won't be very different in Qatar. I don't think. But it is, it, there is a time limit for some of them. It is time for them to win. And I think right now, and I certainly don't want to curse them because I think Portugal proved, 
and Roberto Martinez when I said what, apart from the individual players that we could all name and talk about what is the characteristic you like most he said they're a winning team they went to Paris against the odds and they won they won the Nations League they're comfortable without the ball a lot of teams aren't comfortable they are and when they're on the ball they're good his, you know, so his description of them was, was accurate and you can go out to Portugal but Belgium right now um, with another team that we'll mention in a minute <laughs> Belgium look like favourites for the tournament to me so let's let them punch their weight and we've got an absolutely I, I mean I genuinely think this, this has got the potential to be the match of the tournament yes I'm very very jealous I know that it's hard work you've had long days and long nights but this evening I am incredibly jealous that you're going to be in the stadium watching this one that's all for part one after the break we're going to catch up on news from the Spain camp and get Graham's player of the day we'll be right back Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back. And seeing as you're in Seville, let's talk Spain. Um, after they rolled over Slovakia and rolled on to Copenhagen, things must be looking and feeling rosier for Luis Enrique in Spain. It was a wonderful return to form. Sergio Busquets was fantastic back in the anchor of the midfield. What's happened or what's been going on in the Spain camp since that game? Well, in part one, I set myself up so I may as well go. I, I came to this tournament thinking if, if Spain reach the quarterfinals, that's par. If they reach the semifinals, they've done well, but you can forget them winning it. Oh, hang on a second. I have, I have to admit, you are right to Frankie Howard this. You are right to have a little titter at me. I, you know, because again, it's Croatia. They could go out to Croatia, but they beat Croatia. They beat Croatia. And flipping heck, I, I, I'm starting to think. I'm st- look, they, they, they don't like the stodgy teams. They, you shouldn't be happy to be on the brutal side of the draw, but I think they are. Um, England and Germany, who wins? Don't know. Are either of them looking superb or, or, or impenetrable? No. Are France doing what they should do? Are they punching their weight? No. Are, are Blumen, you know, I don't know, some of the other big guns going to take care of each other, Italy and Belgium and Portugal? Yes, they are. I, I'm starting to think 
that there is a shadow of an opportunity for them. And that's because that's related to what you said, which is there is now a conversion of what has always been a remarkable atmosphere. They are happy. They are confident. They are enjoying each other's company. They went out to lunch in in Madrid City Centre on Friday, I guess it was. It was successful. At the moment, everybody is fit. Um, They'll have uh, a decent surface, I'm told, in Copenhagen. Ivan Perisic, I'm very sorry for him, but he's out of of the tie, self-isolating now, having been diagnosed with, with COVID. That detracts from the game. It detracts from Croatia's ability to win. And Croatia have a good uh, record recently against Spain, all, all, albeit that it includes their historic defeat 6-0 in Luis Enrique's second game. But but broadly, Croatia have, um, have gut-punched Spain when they've met in important matches recently. But I look at Spain and I look at the fact that they keep giving us a message. They keep saying, we're hard to defeat, we're hard to beat. Okay, I think that's probably true. There's been an unblocking. Psychologically, Luis Enrique used the phrase, when my players unblock themselves, look out. Um, they, they aren't going to put tons of goals past lots of sides, but they love, they love teams that want to play football. And I think that they're on a par with anybody when you talk about playing football. And I can't help but believe that one of the men of the moment, Alvaro Morata, as Davor Sukar said the other day, He's top class, he's powerful, he's technical, and one of these days he's going to explode with two or three goals. I think that's right. The abuse he suffered is horrible. The interview he's given recently was detailed, much more detailed than usual, about how bad it felt to have his kids threatened. I mean, I I can barely speak the words, such as my disgust at people and and how they act. And I think Morata carries his, his blues sometimes in a heavy sack. But other times... He can process them and use them on the pitch. I I think this might be one of them. Um, I think that Luis Enrique has settled on his best side. It, it was a mistake to have Llorente at right back. As long as Aspilicueta is fit, he starts at right back. Um, he, I think he deserves enormous kudos for sticking with already one of my players of the tournament, which is Pedri, who I thought was utterly, utterly brilliant against Slovakia. I mean, off the scale. His passing... And the way in which he had he had a, he was a central element in three of the goals, and particularly Ferran Torres, where he's just off the bench, he's full of rage because he'd been given grief. He he said ahead of the Poland game, our centre our centre half will gobble up Lewandowski, and long before Lewandowski scored, and and flipping Laporte didn't gobble him up. He was being given abuse, the young man, and he's talkative and bubbly and fun. And his press conference the other day was monosyllabic because you're like, right, okay, if you're gonna with me, then this is what you're getting. But when he came onto the pitch and scored within a minute, the, the, the anger and the, the relief in his celebration, but the goal, Neil, it was, it was just like that. It was Koki and Sarabia, um, a tiny version of Liverpool against Barcelona. Sarabia pretending to walk away from Koki, dodging back, Koki giving out, Sarabia feeding out to Pedri. Um, Pedri immediately giving Sarabia the one-two pass and, and Sarabia finding Torres, who flicks it through his legs for, for what I think was 4-0. Moments like that give you confidence. When the, 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 the pre-rehearsed stuff on the pitch works, you're like, the coach is right. We're on form. This is going to happen. It was Slovakia. It's not the, the, the five that makes me think there's a chance here. It's the fact that you can see a click. I thought there was a click. We talked previously about 
Belgium. I thought the click for Belgium was being down against Denmark and not only coming back and winning 2-1 in the second half, but the conviction, the power, the aggression, the, the, the taking of the adversity pill and, and feeling spinach because of it. You know what I mean? And I think that that's something that Spain have gone through as well. So I'm beginning to think that there's a, there's a possibility that they might minimum be playing some football at Wembley. You can see the yellow brick road stretching out in front of you and the team that you followed closely all the way. You've just point. made me a small man with a big voice behind a curtain is what you've made me. And I am not a small man with a big voice behind a curtain. Let me tell you. We have one more job. You're not in Alloa now, Dorothy. You're not in Alloa now. Unfortunately, I am. We have one more job today, and that is to find our player of the day, the feature that's brought to you by our sponsors at Bet365. So um, available are today's games, the one that you'll be watching between Belgium and Portugal, of course, but also the Netherlands versus the Czech Republic in the third of the last 16 games, which takes place at tea time. Yeah, I, given my past and my affections, I'd love it to be um, a, a duchy, but I'm going to pass on the duchies and I'm going to move to Ed Nazard. The, the last couple of years have been brutal for him. Not all of it has been of his own making. He started his limited career in an immature fashion by gaining a kilo or three. Um, <clears throat> seven, I think it was, actually. But once he got fit, injury and misfortune have pursued him like Pinkerton detectives. Beyond that, he was supposed to be the guy who wasn't replacing Cristiano Ronaldo, but who was going to try and detract from the aching absence of, of not losing a finger, but losing a hand. And that hasn't been the case at um, Real Madrid. They've felt as if they should have kept Cristiano. The, the treatment of Ed Hazard at Madrid has been verging on the dismissive and, and a little bit abusive. And he remains a super player. He remains an absolutely super player. I think in physical condition now he looks slim. He looks, it, it all looks as if it's there, but it's not quite. At that age, and given the fact that you, you, you haven't treated yourself as a super athlete now for four or five years, you're no longer Peter Pan, you can't be at ramming speed at that age after the two seasons he's had. And therefore tonight's going to be a test in terms of the opponents, in terms of the heat, in terms of the responsibility that is going to be on his shoulders. But he's not, he's not far from or... He's, he's in or around the top two or three most talented players on the pitch tonight. Which, which you know, frankly, as good as Portugal are, includes CR7, De Bruyne and, and Eden Hazard. So it might not be his night to take the game by the scuff of the net. It may still be too early in his rehabilitation, but my aspiration is that it's him. Um, because of Roberto Martinez, Thierry Henry, but above all, Sean Maloney, I'd really like Belgium to go through. I think they're much more entertaining than Portugal. And if it's Belgium to go through, I'd like it to be via a performance of, of class and authority from Eden Hazard, which makes him, by some distance, only because Sean Maloney's not playing, my bet 365 man of the day okay thanks Graham that wraps it up for another day so you're going to be at Belgium v Portugal tonight can we count on you for another letter from Seville afterwards let's do that very thing because we're watching beautiful football dramatic football knockout football you will find a letter from America 
straight through La Cartuja very, very late tonight. Okay, listeners, we all have that to look forward to for now. Thank you for being there. Enjoy your football and we'll see you again tomorrow. Mm-hmm.